back to another episode of We Are For Peds, a chance for us to share information while we work together. So I think there are probably many things that divide us. Cats versus dogs, pepperoni versus cheese, cup versus cone at the ice cream shop. But I think we can all agree that we all hate RSV. RSV or respiratory syncytial virus infections are just awful for children, right? Uh, These kids, they're just miserable, and it's uh, tough to have a lot of specific therapies for them. So let's talk about that for a little while. So who gets RSV? Well, by your, your second birthday, everybody's had it at least once. And we adults uh, during normal years probably get it annually. But the first time you get it, that's when we talk about at risk of having lower respiratory tract disease, okay, RSV bronchiolitis. And that's what we worry about. We adults, we get a respiratory, we get an RSV uh, rhinitis or nasal congestion. But little kids, first time they get it, respiratory bronchiolitis. Then we look at the kids who uh, are at risk of more serious disease. So the younger the baby, former preemies, kids with congenital heart disease or CF or something, these kids are at risk of having not only bronchiolitis, but a severe case of bronchiolitis. And so how are we going to care for these kids when they come in? How are we going to evaluate them? Well, to evaluate them, remember we talked before about uh, inspiratory and expiratory findings. Again, the more nasal congestion you have, that's going to be an extra thoracic obstruction, giving inspiratory symptoms, giving nasal congestion, trouble breathing. Uh, but this is also, if you have a bronchiolitis, uh, it's a desquamating bronchiolitis, so you get this air trapping, right? And so as we look at these babies, sometimes you'll, you'll see them kind of <laughs> auto-peeping, and you look at their chest, and their chest seems really expanded because they're, they're trapping air. They have this lower respiratory tract disease. Clinically, it, it feels like anyway that the fever in RSV is lower, right? This isn't the um, 39.5, 40.5 that we see during flu season. It tends to be a little lower. Or, uh, yes. And the nasal congestion seems to be kind of thicker as we suction that stuff out. Boy, that's some thick, gooey stuff. This isn't the uh, runny, watery, uh, rhinovirus kind of stuff that we see uh, in springtime. And so, uh, as we're assessing the kids, we're trying to decide how much lower lower respiratory tract disease, how much bronchiolitis do they have? Now it's time to to treat them, okay? And unfortunately, there's no good specific treatments for bronchiolitis. Are many of you old enough to remember uh, ribavirin? We used to use nebulized ribavirin. And that would kind of clog the, the ventilator tubing. And I was, you know, it was like trying to nebulize uh, maple syrup, okay? Racemic epi, that's been tried, hasn't worked. Hyperto- hypertonic saline nebs, I'm still holding out hope that maybe someday we'll find that they help. Maybe some data saying they decrease uh, duration of hospitalization. Not really sure. Again, in the past, folks have tried vitamin A, again, because this virus is a, a cousin of measles. And so just making the point that, yeah, I've tried everything. You really can't find a good specific therapy. Remember also when we're talking about specific therapies that intubation doesn't get us out of the woods, right? 
if you have a child with epiglottitis and you intubate them, you've put their ET tube, the tip of the endotracheal tube, past the obstruction, and they have normal lungs beyond uh, the obstruction. And so they hopefully will ventilate easily once you get them intubated. But with RSV, yeah, you, you've just taken away the child's work of breathing, but you've still got this lower respiratory tract disease, and they're coughing up all this mucus, and it's plugging the tube. Um, we, we haven't, saw, we haven't uh, solved the problem definitively by intubating the kids. And so since we don't have a definitive treatment, what we try to do is we, we try to pursue two other strategies. One is we try to reduce other symptoms. Right? And so that's why we really try to do, do a deep nasal shock, suction in all these kids. What we're hoping is that, you know, hey, we can't help the bronchiolitis, but how much of these symptoms are caused by upper airway obstruction, by, by thick nasal secretions? Because we can take that away. Right? We haven't fixed their, their lungs, but we fixed the, their nose so they can breathe easier. By the same token, sometimes we'll try bronchodilators. And this gets to be a little bit controversial, right? Because American Academy of Pediatrics, they don't want uh, kids being sent home on medications they don't need. Uh, and so if bronchodilators don't help, then we shouldn't send the kids home on them. But by the same token, what's the most common stimulus to wheeze in kids who have reactive airways disease? upper respiratory tract infections. And so again, we're hoping that uh, while we can't fix the bronchiolitis, I'm hoping this is a wheezer with bronchiolitis and uh, I can fix the wheezing part or I can improve the wheezing part. Uh, and that now makes a kid look a little better, uh, even though I'm no, I know that I can't fix the bronchiolitis part. Right. So those are strategies to try and reduce the, the symptoms, the other symptoms not related to the bronchiolitis. The other, the second treatment strategy is to slow the progressive progression of the disease, right? I can't fix your bronchiolitis, but maybe I can slow the, decrease the odds of you requiring intubation. I can decrease the odds of you requiring escalation of care. And that's the role of high flow nasal cannula. Um, remember, you know, high flow nasal cannula isn't like albuterol. You give a, a wheeze or some albuterol, they look better 15 minutes later. Sometimes ki kids with high flow nasal cannula will improve and uh, breathe easier when they're on it, but that's the exception rather than the rule. Most of the time, especially the kids who are going to the floor, the reason we're starting the high flow nasal cannula is to decrease the chances that they require escalation of the respiratory support. So if we start it on you now, uh, on, and we're gonna admit you to the hospital, that'll decrease the, the odds of you needing to go to the PICU or, or requiring intubation. And so those are our two treatment strategies, to reduce the, the, the other symptoms, not the bronchiolitis, and then to slow the, the disease progression uh, uh, with, the, with the bronchiolitis. So I mentioned high flow nasal cannula. How does that work? Yeah, I don't really know either, okay? In the show note here, I'll put a link to a, or the title of a podcast that you can listen to that gets into some really nerdy respiratory stuff. Does it increase PEEP? Uh, does it re decrease the work of breathing? Does it enhance uh, uh, gas exchange, right? So the, this gas going 0.5 to 1 liter per kilo per minute, this humidified air, right? We want to have it humidified, high flow gas, 0.5 to 1 liter per kilo per minute. Does this wash out some of the nitrogen, get, wash out some of the CO2, get some uh, more oxygen down lower in the airway to enhance uh, gas exchange? And we don't really know, okay?
but it seems to help, seems to decrease escalate, uh, the need for escalation of care. And so we're gonna use it in essentially all kids, unless they have uh, underlying congenital heart disease or something, and then we're gonna think carefully before we start it. So we've talked about who gets it. We've talked about the treatment. Uh, let's talk about, you know, do they require admission? And so when it comes to admission, earth is for earthlings. If you can't breathe our air or eat our food, you're gonna to have to come in the hospital, all right? And so the child here in front of us, too hypoxic, breathing too quickly, working too hard to breathe to, to uh, nurse or take the bottle, then those are gonna re require admission. Also then there's a little bit of judgment on this, okay? Or is this child in a, an at-risk population? Does this baby have heart disease? Is this baby a former preemie? And then the, the third factor that goes into it is kind of the time course of illness. Classically, like day three, day four is the worst time uh, of a bronchiolitis, of an RSV bronchiolitis, all right? So the kids who come in on day seven, day eight, uh, you know, just, yeah, they've not been feeding well for the last day or so. We're much more hopeful, hopeful we can say, hey, look, you've got this far, you're past the peak, we just kind of hang in there, suction you a bit, you, you, you You've, been, you've got past the hard part. You can just hang in there for another day or two. You're going to be okay. The kids who come in 36 hours into their illness and they're looking pretty sick. Boy, maybe we're going to say, you haven't hit peak yet. Uh, you know, peak is going to be in a day or two. Maybe we got to admit you to the hospital now uh, because you, you know, maybe it looks like you're going to have a rockier course than, than we would expect. All right. So kind of three admission criteria. Symptoms now. Are they at an at-risk population and uh, where they are in their illness? You notice I, I didn't mention testing, right? So um, should we do RSV testing in, in the emergency department? Well, that gets kind of controversial, all right? For admitted kids, we often do, and that's for cohorting, finding rooms. Uh, they don't want to put kids in the same room that, that don't have um, uh, the same respiratory illness. Uh, if they go home, is it mandatory? No, not really. And so that gets to be a bit of a fight. What about chest x-rays? Again, I probably should have talked about that earlier in the reducing other uh, symptoms category of treatment. Um, again, the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, wants uh, uh, people to decrease the use of chest x-rays in kids with bronchiolitis. And the reason is because the radiologists uh, can't uh, exclude pneumonia when they look at the chest x-ray. The classic teaching for the, for the med students, you know, when the, the, the quiz question, the test question is, you know, what's the x-ray finding in RSV bronchiolitis? migratory atelectasis. And so the radiologists will often read the x-ray, atelectasis can't exclude infiltrate. And then we see can't exclude infiltrate when we put the kids on antibiotics. And so um, those that, that, you know, kind of nationally trying to uh, foster uh, antibiotic stewardship want to minimize the use of antibiotics in kids who uh, don't have a bacterial process. And so on one hand, we want to try and decrease the utilization of chest x-rays in these kids. On the other hand, yeah, we don't want to miss a bacterial pneumonia. And so that's awful hard, the kid with SATs of 88, uh, to say we don't need a chest x-ray. Okay. So uh, uh, those are some of the controversies we've decided, uh, uh, kind of go through how we think about these kids. As always, you know, uh, where can we team up on discharge instructions? And so remember the... Um, most important things we can do, teach the parents how to suction the kids, if that's really seeming to help and decrease their work of breathing. Um, we certainly want to give them uh, appropriate dose fever and uh, pain control. So good doses of Tylenol, uh, 15 per kilo every four hours. Uh, 
And then just reminding the parents how to feed the kids. Again, if they're, they're out of breath, uh, small, frequent feeds, rather than trying to get the kids to uh, um, uh, take all four ounces at once. And I really think that if the kids have a big snotty nose um, while they try to bottle feed, that they're going to swallow a lot of gas. And then they're going to have these big burps. And uh, um, also then, yeah, their belly fills up with gas and doesn't fill up with formula. So parents come in saying, hey, you know, they're only drinking two ounces instead of four ounces. Yeah, they're drinking four. It's just two ounces of a burp and two ounces of formula. Anyway, thanks for listening. Again, hope this was uh, helpful. I'm trying to put this uh, RSV into uh, perspective. And uh, let's hope we don't have a bad season. Right. Thanks for listening.